Oh, it was a good, good convo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're getting better. It's all right. Welcome uh, to another episode of the Hoops Temple podcast. We're all uh, feeling pretty loose on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Monday, uh, early morning schedule here. Two of us have alcoholic beverages, I believe. One of us is drinking a nice Red Bull to wake up for the day. Uh, you know me, I'm Nathan. Uh, on the line are Nico and Dylan. How's it going? Going all right. I'm not having any alcohol today. That was yesterday. And uh, today is just water. Thank you. <laughs> Nate, you saw him pouring a clear liquid, filling up an entire glass, and you thought he was just drinking. <laughs> just pounding vodka. <laughs> Sometimes I like to have a water with my beer, you know, a palate cleanser. Mix it up. Stay hydrated. Stay alcoholic. You know, yeah, sure. keep it free-flowing. Shout out to the beer palate cleanser. <laughs> Happy Waitangi Day, everyone. Happy um, Super Bowl Sunday. Nate, do you want to um, poorly age this podcast by giving us your Super Bowl predictions, knowing that this is going to go up after the Super Bowl? Oh, you know, if it's going to go up after the Super Bowl, then I'm going to say, I think the Bucks are going to win. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. And I'll just edit out which one doesn't win. <laughs> <laughs> you are a genius. Well, I'm not sure if we'll get this out before or after the Super Bowl, but we'll definitely get it out before the MVP uh, is officially decided. We're still fairly early in the season, but we, we wanted to kind of check in with the league and have a little discussion about MVPs and who we think's in the running. Uh, but before we talk about the actual specifics of the players, I had a more general kind of philosophical question, if you will. What is most important to you MVP-wise? Is it stats? Is it narrative? Team success? Or simply best player of the game? I think it's a combination of uh, of some of it. Um, I, I've been hating how some years have been like mostly just narrative winning the MVP. But you got to have a good team record. And you got to be the best player on your team. Yeah, I'm with Nico on that narrative, I think, is probably like the least important part. I don't really care that you're, you know, 38 years old. How, how much value are you bringing to your team? How much have you contributed to, to winning basketball, um, both in the games that you played and how many of those games are you playing to actually have an impact on winning? Um, so MVP to me is, is just the guy who has most contributed to, to winning basketball. Good. I'm glad you guys said that because I'm going to be the contrarian. I care about the history of these awards and I want to look back and I want to be able to see the MVP and know something about the season. So I'm going to go heavy on the narrative side things here. So you you laughed that Westbrook won the MVP award and stuff like that. I, I would love to see someone like LeBron have won more MVPs than he have. Yeah, I think from a basketball history perspective, I think I'd go the other way that it's even more important to award it to the player who most contributed to winning because a lot of times when you're looking back on history and you're looking at seasons that were that were decades ago, um, MVP is something that you look to to try to get an understanding of who was the you know the best player in that time and and maybe if there's a couple popping up the best player in that era. Um, so I think having having MVPs go to a guy who isn't the guy who most contributed to winning I think is um, uh, historically deceiving and we we should just give it give it to the guy who who had the most impact on winning. Well, with that, do you want to tell us who is number one on your MVP ballot if we're voting today? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's actually a lot harder than I was expecting. 
but I gotta hand it to Nikola Jokic at the moment. He's number one in win shares in, in the league, um, and he's just been absolutely amazing. He is looking like probably turning in one of the best big man seasons, uh, at least offensively, um, in the history of this this basketball game here. One little problem I think is that the team is just not winning a lot of games. That's what's bugging me uh, with Nikola Jokic at the moment. But his season is just amazing individually. Yeah, so the Joker putting up 26, 12, and 8. Very efficient scoring, leading this team. Great offense when he's on. Um, but like you said, losing a lot of a lot of games. And one of the reasons for that is the Nuggets aren't great on defense. Um, and he's a big part of that. And that's why I really struggled to, when trying to pick, you know, that was one of the things that I looked at against Jokic is off the guys that I have sort of top five, top six. He's the only one that is a is not a positive contributor on defense. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of times MVPs looked at as sort of an offensive player of the year award, but I think you, you got a factor in both sides of the court and his inability to positively impact defense, I think is part of the reason that they are losing games and therefore should, should be counted against them. If the standards were to freeze right now where they're at, Jokic's team, the Nuggets, are in 10th place. That is the exact same position that Westbrook's team was in, OKC, when Westbrook won MVP in 2017. So that doesn't dissuade you at all, Nico. Yeah, that's that's exactly what's bugging me. Like, why can I say that I don't want Westbrook to have won his MVP uh, and then say Jokic should win this year's MVP. They're basically doing the same thing at the moment. So I guess we'll just have to see. Um, I, I, I hope uh, Damon will start winning more games and then uh, all my doubt will be wiped out. But it's not a luck by any means, in my opinion, uh, although I would really love to see Nikola Jokic win it. Yes, I'm not, I'm not actually, uh, I'm not super in love with the, with his chances at the moment. I think there's one guy knocking on his, uh, uh, what, what can you call his seat? Um, and who's that one guy? You're talking about another big man? Yeah. He's not the only other candidate, but Joel Embiid has been absolutely incredible as well. Uh, also just posting amazing numbers and, and leading his offense. But this guy is also playing a lot of defense and his team is winning. We've seen him evolve uh, a bit this season. I, I, I think Doug Rivers has really done a great job making him more involved and, and, and not settling for lazy jump shots and stuff. So he's, he's right there also. Dylan, is he your number two as well? Man, I really struggled to actually rank them, eh? Like I said before we started, I went I went like 10 guys deep and to actually pull someone out as the number one or number two was super tough. I think the probably the consensus at the moment is is it's those two guys at the top. Um, and Bede obviously putting up just ridiculous numbers in, in less than 32 minutes a game, averaging 29 and, and 10 and a couple, a couple stocks. Um, career high. Scoring efficiency, 68% true shooting, which is ridiculous. Um, 118 offensive rating when he's on, 107 defensive rating. So really getting it done on both ends of the court and leading his team to the, the best record in the conference. I think I'd, I'd have him there as well. But keeping in mind what Nico was saying of, you know, is super close and super hard to differentiate between these guys. I will say from watching... In Embiid this year, when he decides to turn it on, when he decides to get it going, it's a level of unstoppability that I, I feel like I've only really seen with Shaq in my you know active, alive fan watching. You know, I can go back and watch older players, but it, he his body is just so much bigger than a lot of the guys he goes against. 
And what's crazy is it looks like Doc is using him almost the same way that he has been was using Kawhi last season. And Embiid's operating out of this mid-range game. And so he's got kind of a mid-post, you know, almost triangle offense, Kobe Jordan-esque play. But then this physical body of Shaq-ness that really makes him seem uh, almost more dominant than he is because he, he will fade out for some time. And that's kind of been the idea with Embiid his whole career, right? Is like, Give the guy some space, give him some room to operate, give him the ball and and let him be a dominant physical force. And that's what Doc's doing as a competent coach and, and it's having great results so far. Just touching on on those two guys though, and beating Jokic and, and looking at their win loss record. One thing that I think is interesting is if you look at cleaning the glasses eighty two game win projection, which is based on, you know, Pythagorean win expectation of this is how good your offense is, this is how good your defense is, therefore you're going to win this many games, is that the Sixers and the Nuggets are actually projected for right about the same amount of games. The Nuggets actually projected for more games, which is which is basically them saying that the Sixers are um, over outperforming their win expectation, which means that they're winning a lot of close games. You wouldn't by chance know how Embiid is doing uh, down the stretch in these close games because Eye test tells me it's Tobias Harris that's getting them through these close games. And in Denver, eye test says it's less Jokic and it's more Murray in close games. So do we think maybe Jokic is is benefiting just by having better teammates? Or sorry, Embiid is benefiting by having better teammates. I definitely think that Embiid is having the benefit of uh, having a a more... uh... No more streamlined team around him. There's more. They have some good shooters, good defenders. Uh, Tobias Harris is uh, in his Clippers form, so he's he's got the right role players around him. And and as like we talked about uh, in uh, in our last podcast, you know Ben Simmons and and Embiid is looking a, little, a bit better uh, together uh, at the moment than they were last season. Uh, they have a very deep team and. He's definitely benefiting from that, for sure. So I guess the third man in this conversation uh, would be a one Mr. LeBron Julius James. I don't know what his middle name is, but it feels <laughs> right for it to be Julius. <laughs> Julius. <laughs> okay. Just a classic NBA name. Yeah, for sure. What are What's his pathway to really take this thing home? Why, why is he coming up third as opposed to first or second in your guys' mentions? I actually think it's hard to just say LeBron James at the moment because he's got Anthony Davis on that team too, and he's not playing as many minutes as he used to. So it's it's difficult. I think it's between uh, at, at the third third place. I think it's between him, uh, Steph Curry, and and maybe even we could talk about uh, Kawhi Leonard as well. So you know, I got I got my top two who are definitely my favorites, and then this third spot, or I guess the guys behind those two, it's a bit more blurry, I think. But uh, LeBron James and Steph Curry is probably my, uh, yeah, the guys I think could make a case for winning as well. I mean, in terms of who deserves to win, I think for once it's going to go the other way for LeBron, where I think he's more likely to win than to deserve to win. Um, if his team can get the the best record in the in the conference or in the league at the moment, they're just behind the Jazz, but you know would still probably project the Lakers to be the best regular season team. Um, and he's putting up you know twenty five eight and eight almost, and and they are ridiculous on both ends of the court when he's on. And and stats like like real plus minus, for example, absolutely love his game. Um, and then you weigh in the narrative, and I think he's he's probably the guy who's most likely to actually come out on top. 
I think if anything's holding him back at the moment, it's, it's less what he's doing and just that, you know, there are two other guys that have been absolutely ridiculous and um, LeBron isn't creating enough of a, of a um, gap for himself uh, in terms of, in terms of team performance. Um, the Lakers have been very good. Um, I think 18 and six at the moment, which is a lot better than, than the Nuggets certainly. Um, but you, you know, to to get the nod over those guys with inferior stats, I think he needs to um, just create more of a buffer in terms of team wins, and then I think he could get right in there. He is doing something that uh, my dad always criticized Kobe for doing during the o six o seven season. It, it almost seemed like Kobe was letting teams hang around and he wasn't going hard. He really put his throat on them or put his foot on their throat uh, in the fourth quarter. So that way he could hit the game-winning shot. And I think this season we've already seen LeBron uh, hit a game-winner against Cleveland, hit a game-winner against Memphis, come back in overtime to beat the Pistons. Uh, th- there seems to be a lot of late-game heroics from LeBron that may help his MVP case. It definitely gives him some narrative boosts. Yeah, yeah. if you talk about narrative and, and, and winning basketball games, I, I, I think LeBron is absolutely leading the race. Uh, I, and I also think people want to see him win. A lot of people feel that LeBron should have won more MEPs. This is like so late in his career. I think people think he earns more. He's earned it. He is shooting better. Uh, his three-point th- percentage is going up. So he's having a very, very good season. He's more efficient than he used to be. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would love to see LeBron win it this late in his career. It's, it's definitely deserved. He's on, on the best team at the moment, and he's the best player on, on that team. He might be the best player. But he's not the best team. The best team right now is the Utah Jazz. Are any it's, of their it's a three fake, fake fake best team? Fake news. Oh, <laughs> none of their three players are in, are in consideration. Then let, let me ask you guys: Who, if you were to choose a player from them, who is the best player? Who's the MVP of the Jazz? <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Rudy Gobert. So my my MVP deep dive um, went ten years back and went. Uh, 23 players deep this year. And basically, to to make an MVP ballot, you pretty much have to be a top top 15 team, uh, which isn't the highest. But you usually also have to be top 15 in uh, value over replacement, box score plus minus, PER, win shares. And none of the other guys, um, Gobert is 11 in win shares, but not that great in anything else. Uh, Mitchell is is really far back on all of these. Uh, and Conley is, is also not that high. They're really spreading the load around amongst all three of them. Uh, I would probably just go with Gobert because of the defense and because I don't want another Derrick Rose situation where you have this like great team and you credit the best offensive player for being a great defensive team. So uh, I would give it to Gobert over Mitchell just because I don't want to have a Rose over Noah, but I, I don't think any of the three of them has much of a strong case to be in this. Yeah, for sure. My, Mike Conley is uh, leading their offense, and uh, Rudy Gobert is the only one posting meaningful meaningful stats in terms of MVP contention. So it would be the weakest MVP in, in league history, but uh, yeah, let's go with Rudy Gobert. Maybe none of those guys are MVPs, but have you given much thought as to whether or how many of those guys would make your all-star ballot? It depends how how deep your MVP ballot is, uh, all-star ballot. I'd, I'd love to live in a world where all three of them made it, but I really would need to do a breakdown of forwards and guards 
to try to figure out who um, who would actually get on there because I know just looking at my 23 MVP guys, 13 of them are in the West and I didn't even put Devin Booker on there because I was like, well, you're not going to give Booker votes. I didn't put Cat on there because you're not going to give Carl Anthony Towns any votes. But for All-Star, you know, some of those guys, they, they have to at least get some All-Star consideration. Oh, you said All-Star, sorry. I mean, this this should be the year where Mike Conley gets the All-Star nut, but he's, he's going to miss it again. I can't see him make it. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell because he's leading the team in points per game. And people like seeing scorers uh, go to the All-Star game. He's the only real fun player on that team. And um, I mean, Rudy Gobert might go to the All-Stars, but he's not going to get a lot of votes because he's, he's not he's not fun to watch on the offensive end. I think the coaches will put Gobert in the game almost for sure. Uh, I kind of feel like they, they might even do Conley a solid and that the coaches might put Conley in there. I hope so. If you know anyone can appreciate Conley's game, it's it's the coaches who know how much um, impact he's had both this year and over his career. And for him to be probably the best guy to ever make an All Star team, I think the coaches um, are aware of that and would want to maybe do him a solid and, and give him one of those you know wild card spots. Oh man, I'm, I'm quickly trying to throw together a list of who all could compete for an All Star spot. Do we feel safe saying Cat is out and Russell is out? Hundred percent. I've got yeah, a, I've yeah, got a, sure. I've got a spreadsheet up in front of me of the guys that I had. Who all do you have? As as sort of a lock for top ten: uh, Lillard, Curry, Kawhi, LeBron, Jokic, Davis, Gobert, Doncic, George, and Booker, and that that gives you ten. So then you've got two more guys. Well, and if you really think about it, the way they do it is you get five front court, five back court, and two wild cards. And if we're just talking about that five front court, uh, LeBron, Kawhi. Davis, Paul George, and Jokic are our five front court. So they're making one of the two wild card spots. I, I want to see what Houston does because Christian Wood. I, I don't know. I'm kind of tempted. I like Wood. He's definitely more fun to watch than Rudy Gobert, and it seems like fans are loving him. Like he's getting a lot of fan votes. Did he get like more votes than he, he was like in the like six sixth in the fan votes? I guess I think. Yeah, I think if fans still voted for the for the full team, then then maybe Wood would get an over Gobert. But I think coaches appreciate Gobert's impact and and will have him in the game. That they don't really care that he's not exciting to watch. Do, do any Spurs make it? They're five. Uh, they're fifth in the West right now. That feels like you should get one All Star. Yeah, DeRozan is putting together a beautiful season. Yeah, maybe Demar's one of those wild card spots. No, or not. <laughs> It feels bad. I have no Kings players on this list. I know Wild is gonna gonna have something to say if he listens to us. Not have a single King, but I just can't make a case for Harrison Barnes. And you could Barnes. make a case for Darren Fox. Uh, he he's he's been he's been playing better. Uh, well, if you just look at the West uh, backcourt, yeah, it's impossible. Curry, Lillard, Paul uh, are absolute locks. I got to assume that you give either Mitchell or Conley a lock. One of them has to be a lock. Luca is a fifth lock. You know, then those two wild card spots, John Morant, Devin Booker, Shea Gilles Alexander, Victor Oladipo, John Wall. It It's a crowded, My yeah, it's a crowded field. Yeah. You know, Darren Fox and, and SGA, they're so young, so they'll have plenty of years to make the all-star team. Um, I think we should look at a guy like Mike Conley before them for sure. But would you give Utah three All-Stars with Gobert, Conley, and Mitchell over saying giving Murray a, pay- 
Murray a spot? Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray. Yeah, I would give him a spot for sure. I think that name's like 14 players now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the all-star, all-star roster needs like at least one extra spot, I think. It has so packed. Well, based on LeBron James's comments, uh, somehow I can see him having a sprained ankle when the All-Star game comes up. And so they'll probably name a, uh, a another player here in his spot. We might see a few... Yeah, sorry. We might see a few sprained angles. <laughs> How do you guys feel about there being an all-star game? I know Fox, De'Aaron Fox came out very strong words against it, which no one cares about because... He's not going to be on the team anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Giannis had some interesting thoughts of saying he would only want to play if fans were present, which is not what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't LeBron like more or less have the same... Um... The same opinion of the bubble. Yeah, when it started, he was like, "I don't, I don't want to fucking do this." And, yeah. then, and then they did it anyway, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, I think I have the, I think I have the minority opinion that I actually want the All Star Game. I want to watch it, and in terms of like the one of the big criticisms is like the player health side. But I think those guys in the All Star Game are going to be under more strict conditions, and I think we have less positive tests coming from that game than all the other guys who you know have a week off and go hang out with their with their family or their friends or go to the beach or something or go on holiday. I think we see way more positive tests coming from those guys who weren't in the game and then, you know, went to some beach and, you know, some Dominican beach or something as opposed to the All-Stars. I really want a dunk contest and a three-point shootout, and I don't want them to fly the players in. Just make this be a made-for-TV thing. Put them in their home arenas, gyms, or whatever high school gym is closest to their house, and put in like bring in a camera this doesn't need to be like there's no reason you have to be shooting on the same court for a three-point shootout the courts should be identical it's it's not like a baseball well you know home run derby where each field has a different home run line i enjoy those competitions and i I think they should be really easy to do uh what was it that they did Uh, they had like the horse game or something like during the yeah during the hiatus and that was terrible because guys were like in their house with their crappy cameras and crappy wi-fi but if i mean if you have like prop you know tv crews there then i think for sure you know just put dudes in their home gym and and let them let them go to town i think that'd be i'm in favor of that i think that'd be dope covid situation is a bit bad uh it's you know there's a there's a big health risk risk uh involved in doing a, an all-star game. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, I think the big problem with, with doing this all-star break is actually just having a break. You know, this, the season schedule is already looking super packed and it's looking like we, we might have, have the season shorten uh, or, or we'll have games like some teams might play every single day for for a week or two. So I think just a break alone is, is a bit problematic. But as a fan, you know, it's also like games is always fun. And I love to see a dunk contest. And uh, I also love the three-point contest. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. But it's, it's, it's looking a bit problematic to just make a break in the season that is already so hard yeah, to play. Yeah, last, year's, last year's game was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was really good. How would you guys feel if they played it after the NBA Finals? Yeah, I was thinking about that, actually. Um, I don't know. Doesn't do anything for you either way? You know, normally it's a, it's just a nice break. At, at this point in the season, it's 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 mostly just the, you know, the games. They get a bit boring and stuff. You know, players are resting and all that. You know, in, in this condensed season, 
I just don't think we need a break uh, already. Um, yeah, it's kind of um, similar to something that they do in the NRL, which is the National Rugby League of, of Australia and New Zealand, where somewhat similarly, after the season, they have like the winner of the NRL face off against the winner of English competition is sort of like a sort of like an all star game. But I think I prefer the the mid season the mid season break. But I'm all for like you know experimenting and and being creative and finding new new game ideas. Be interested in a post season game of some sort. But I think the all star break is is nice to have in the middle just to you know get a little bit of interest back into the back into the league uh, back into the season for the you know that long home stretch. To jump back to our, our MVP conversation, Nico, you had mentioned a, a number of other players, uh, Durant, Kawhi, Curry. Choose one of them and, and make a case for how you could see them maybe getting the MVP. What's what's their pathway? I think Durant, is he, he's um, deferring to his uh, new teammates. So I got Steph Curry at the moment. He's just looking very interesting. He's putting up amazing numbers, and and he looks like he's really engaging. And I think fans really want to see Steph Steph Curry uh, back. Uh, they want to see him uh, back to his uh, greatness. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's hard to uh, really argue that he he's a favorite over LeBron. But you know, if he can continue playing like he does at the moment, and if he puts together a few more of those amazing you know fifty point games, maybe there will be a narrative going his way and they're winning games i do see him having a little bit of the kobe 2013 route uh when i was looking into this kobe in 2013 really didn't deserve uh the fifth place mvp stature that he got uh he's behind pow and almost everything the lakers were the 12th uh stand they were 12th in league standings but you just wanted to see so much from Kobe, and you fans loved him, and so you, he got the benefit of the doubt. And I can kind of see that happening with Curry already. Is even yeah. if the Warriors stay, you know, thirteenth league wise, you know, whatever, sixth, seventh in the West, just having Curry back has made this season more fun and more enjoyable. And I think the more ridiculous games he has, like last night, where he's looking like twenty fifteen Steph Curry, the more that he's going to get treated like twenty fifteen Steph Curry. Yeah. So if if he keeps having these, you know, fifty point games and and you know making ten threes and just looking unstoppable, you know, firing once he reaches half court and and looks like twenty fifteen, you know, looks like an MVP, looks like an MVP Steph Curry season. I think he'll he'll get some of that um some of that rub. That shimmy after the logo shot gets me every time. Yeah. Yeah. He's so exciting to watch. And if you really want to make a lazy arg- um, uh, argument for Steph Curry, like. I see a lot of people don't really like uh, Jokic as uh, as the candidate because his his team is not winning games and he's he's lazy on defense sometimes. Uh, Embiid is um, you, you know we might see him injured or you know people don't really trust uh, Embiid as like a superstar since he he haven't really gotten his team to a a, a nice playoff run. LeBron James is taking kind of a backseat. He's playing fewer minutes and scoring less points than his prior seasons. Um, so then you got Steph Curry. People know him as a MVP. They know him as a winner. And and people just love to see him uh, go nuts 
uh, again, you know, maybe it's just narrative and 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 people wanting to see uh, Steph Curry win that that'll give him the give him the MVP. Yeah, as a fan of like those um Lob City Clippers teams, um, who who would look like you know unstoppable and then go up against the Warriors and then you know just get get stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look unstoppable and then go up against the Warriors and get stopped. Man, that shimmy still gives me still gives me um nightmares. Yeah, Luca. He was saying in in the post game interview last night that the or was it the the game prize that I don't remember. But in a, in a pre game post game interview, he was saying that he was not having fun because uh, Steph Curry was hitting all his shots. So uh, he he can take the the good mood away from any player. <laughs> so in preparation for this, I was digging into the past and I found a couple of you know you're not going to win the MVP, but you're going to get MVP votes type of archetypes. Uh, and one that really stuck out to me is the Isaiah Thomas archetype of you are not a perennial top 10 player. You are not a traditional thought of superstar. But is there any player in your mind that is just eye catching this season that, you know, you may look back in 10 years and be like, how did he how did he get consideration? But this season you just wanted to kind of shout out and give someone uh, a little bit of love for MVP this year. That's actually two guys say uh... That that we, I think we should talk a little bit about like statistic, statistically uh, a guy like Bradley Beal is kind of interesting and uh, and Damian Lillard I guess uh, I mean they're not winning games but their st- statistics look good yeah those are those are pretty much the two names that I had too um, as not necessarily guys who are that are not constantly in the conversation but as guys who don't really have much of a shot of making it but are putting up ridiculous numbers um, so Beal is probably the top one. Uh, you know, leading the league in scoring and, and just playing insane basketball, but not winning any games and not really deserving of mention. The other one would be like, do you think we could like see like a stray vote for like Zach Levine or something? <laughs> I was actually thinking about that guy. Like yeah. a stray fifth place vote for Levine? Yeah. I wasn't thinking those those guys as much. I, I actually had them in my next question, which was the Carmelo Anthony archetype of a perennial all-star super great player that you just know isn't going to do anything. Um, in this, the Isaiah Thomas mold, pre-injury CJ McCollum uh, is still currently fifth in box score plus minus, fifth in PER. You know, he's never going to get votes with Lillard there, but he really was powering the team. He was taking over 10 threes a game. Um, and, and so I just, I could have seen CJ catching some stray votes that would have been really cool to see for another guy who has never made an all-star game. Yeah, I think if he hadn't got injured, I think we would have been discussing him today. He, he was playing insane. My other out-of-the-box, what if he could, is Bam Adebayo. The Heat are currently 27th in league record, which is only marginally better than the Wizards. So I'm glad you guys brought up Beal. But Bam is 15th in value over replacement, 15th in PER, 16th in plus minus, 16th in value over replacement. I could see I could see Miami skyrocketing up. And there's always that late push for whoever's team is hot at the end of the season. I don't know. I, I think there might be a Bam, you know, fourth, fifth place vote case. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, he's, he's been terrific this season. A big determining factor for him is going to be whether the Heat can move up the standings a bit. If they get up to like, if they are up to like a fourth seed and they're won some like, you know, won 10 games in a row or something, seven, eight games in a row, and, and Bam's averaging 29 and five and being a beast on both ends, then I think for sure we could see a, um, a stray vote for Bam. But the it's going to be whether the Heat can win games that it that's going to de- determine that. Well, since you guys brought up Lillard, uh, and Beal in this, 
how are we feeling about the these two guys? They're they're stranded kind of on an island with McCollum out there. I guess Beal is still only 26, but Lillard is 29 or 30, uh, just had twins. So I want to say that their careers are probably closer to done than, than they are to beginning. What's next for them? What I think they're in similar situations right now, but we'll, I think they'll end in different ways. I think Dame is... I mean, he's just going to stay with the Blazers for the rest of his career, right? And and keep being a ridiculous offensive player and never really challenge for a championship. Um, whereas I think Beal, the Wizards have to eventually come to their senses and realize they're garbage and they, they have this great asset that they could really use to um, rebuild their franchise. So I think Beal gets traded eventually and, and probably joins some sort of winning team and, um, and, and Dame stays where he is and is the favorite son of Portland and finishes sixth in the West every year. What do you think that says about Dame's career when, it, when it's all over? Yeah, How are we going to remember Lillard? And that's the great thing about staying at a team for so long. Um, we're going to look at Dame Lillard as the best player in uh, Portland history, Trailblazers history, I guess. He's an amazing guy. And I was listening to a podcast. I think it was, um, there was a guy like, I don't know if he was a, trailblazers beat rider or he's just some inside guy but he was just talking about how great lillard uh, is as a guy and how much he helps his community he's got a few kids uh that that's got his phone number that can call him anytime and he's he's helping people in school and you know doing all these amazing things off the court to to help uh, people in portland so he's go he's going to go down as a legend in in Portland. There's a lot of players not really what not not really winning uh, rings. Actually, the majority of NBA players is not w- winning a ring. You can be fine as a as a player not winning a ring. You can still be be a legend and and looked as uh, as a as a as a great player. I, I don't think Damian Lillard will will ever be on another team. Um, Maybe a little bit different with Brad Beal. I could see him, you know, go go the uh, Camelo route when he's uh, more or less done when he's thirty two or thirty four or something like that. Maybe he'll go on a on a ring chasing hunt, uh, being a, a shooter on, on, a, on a team like Ray Allen. But Lila is a certified legend in, in Portland already, and going down in history as a as a as a as a great like that, it's not a bad legacy. Do you see any um, any Dirk Nowitzki career potential of finally getting that ring when you're a little bit over the hump? You get some more guys, uh, or any? It, it doesn't sound like you guys see Kevin Garnett of fiercely loyal guys finally traded in the latter stages of their career, getting one ring with a, a random team. That single ring uh, would be the dream, you know. Uh, it 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 changed definitely changed the perception of Dirk Nowitzki uh, as as like he's a champion for real, and I think Damien could do it. So, you know, that, that would be the dream. It really make him a, a all-time great legend. I think one um, indication that Dame has given that he uh, probably isn't intending to to go that route of you know fiercely loyal then late season out is is the extension that he signed. Um, that's going to pay him about fifty-four million dollars in the twenty twenty-four twenty-five season. Um, and and you got to imagine that that is a pretty untradeable contract, even for a guy as great as Dame is. To go out that many years, we probably see a little bit of decline, and, and to be paid fifty-four million dollars, I think that probably precludes the late-season trade option. No, with Nico, I think he's just a Portland legend, and, and just goes down as you know, Mister Blazers. I'm I'm okay with that. 
I like having guys stay with a franchise and really just give it all it's got. I I'm too young for the the Carl Malone era. I kind of became a fan at, at the tail end of that. I got to enjoy him on my Lakers. Um, but I do think there is something really nice about being the franchise leader that that stays with the franchise for years and years and years. Like I remember when Darren Williams got traded away from Utah, and I was like, "What? Utah is just giving up on Darren Williams? He was there." Here's their focal point. It was him versus Chris Paul. And I was definitely on the wrong side of history in that debate, as I was with Carmelo and LeBron. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I made some mistakes in my, my player evaluation fandom. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Let's say compare Dame to his um his rival of sorts, Paul George, who I think over their career have been a similar level of talent. Let's say Paul George gets a championship with the Clippers. Who do you think is looked at um, in higher regard based on their career? Paul George, who played for multiple different teams before finally getting a championship or Dame who stayed in one place and, and gave his all to one team but never actually um, accomplished um, a championship? Yeah, that's a big question, right? Like in 30 years down the line or just 20 years down the line, uh, how are we going to look at a guy like Damien Lillard? I'm sure people in Portland is going to remember him as, as like the all-time great, but will the average NBA fan actually remember him? You could maybe make the comparison between uh, Kevin Garnett and uh, Chris Webber. You know, Webber was a, a pretty good player in uh, in Sacramento. In fact, he, I mean, they could, they might as well have won uh, at least one ring during their heydays. Uh, nope, as nope, we're not giving up that <laughs> ring. Uh, I don't care what happened, what the circumstances were. As I mean, they could have. We're, we're keeping our rings. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but, but you know, Chris Webber was a great, great player, and he was uh, compared to Kevin Garnett at the same time in history. Kevin Garnett, he actually run the ring. And, and we look at him, I think, as, as a bigger legend of the game than, uh, than Chris Webber. So I was pulling up my all-time rankings uh, or my Matrix's all-time rankings, and it's got Paul George at 93, and Lillard is already at 58. Um, So Lillard has already significantly outpaced Paul George, but it is kind of crazy the value of rings looking back on things. You know, one of the things my Matrix takes into consideration is popular, um, popular top 100, top 50 lists. And you start to see it, you get a ring and your career jumps. People just start evaluating you differently. And I think if Paul gets that ring, he might leapfrog Lillard in a lot of people's minds, even though statistically Lillard is far and away a better player. I don't know. I wish more players would take the Lillard route. I wish Paul George had stayed in in Indiana his whole time. Yeah, so if we want to, if, if we could go back to that uh, Kevin Garnett and, and Chris Webber comparison, like what, what if Kevin Garnett stayed in Minnesota? Uh, like you were saying, uh, uh, you would love Paul George to do. Like he's staying in Minnesota. He's he's never making the uh, finals. And, and let's say Chris Webber won that ring against the Lakers. I mean, how would we look at Kevin Garnett uh, at this point? Would he be that great legend that we, we remember from, from Boston? Or would he just be like one of those good stats, bad team guys that people love to talk about? I think he would definitely have faded in the public consciousness. Yeah. Just thinking about like a guy like Clyde Drexler, who you know, statistically was every bit MJ's equal for a really long time until they played on, on the big stage and then MJ buried him. Garnett was in many ways Duncan's equal. Oh yeah, Duncan. Yeah. For the longest time. 
But then Duncan kept winning and you just couldn't ever have that conversation anymore and sound like a rational human. But you take him off and you have him play one-on-one and or with 10 random guys, nine random, eight random guys at a YMCA. It's a fair, the games would be close. And I guess that actually might be a, a fun way to think about Lillard is a lot of ways Curry is his closest comparison. And you can never say Lillard is as good or better than Curry because Curry won so much. Yeah, But if you strip away rings and you just put them on the basketball court and watch what they do, the actual gap between Lillard and Curry is, is significantly closer than I think uh, anybody will remember or anybody really wants to argue for. Yeah, so talking about players' legacy versus uh, how good players was skill-wise and, you know, as, as a player, it's, it's very different. You know, if you can get remembered for one or two things— and Lillard might have that that staying power for his playoff game winners that we didn't see um, from a lot of other guys. You, you you need to be remembered for something, and and Damien Damien Lillard's offensive game is is definitely worth remembering. You know he he's hitting 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 shots from from half court and stuff like that. But yeah, you can only you can only there can only be so many players winning the ring, and and sometimes you got to look at other stuff than just winning. But that's what people remember. People re- remember the uh, the winners. To bring it back to our our initial conversation of MVP talk, I don't think Lillard's really going to. Will probably never finish his career with an MVP. Um, probably isn't going to get much look this season. But something we had loosely wanted to touch on in our, our podcast outline, rookies. Are there any rookies that you could see entering an MVP conversation from this season? Not necessarily this season, but somewhere down the line. Oh, that's a hot one. <laughs> right now, I'd say James Wiseman might be my be my choice. As you know, the, the best player down the line. Um, not that he's the best player at the moment, uh, but I could see him develop into something really nice. I think that was maybe one of the um, criticisms of this draft coming in is maybe a lack of real high upside guys. And just looking through, you know, I had Lamelo as the number one pick as the guy that would have the best career coming out of this draft. But even then, I don't think he's ever going to be a, an MVP candidate. And, and so I, I guess I don't really see any guys from this draft entering that conversation. If you know, if I had to pick one, it'd be Lamelo though. Not going to try to make the case for uh, Halliburton? Not at all. <laughs> what about Poku? <laughs> Why does everything always come back to Poku? Yeah. <laughs> Future MVP, Alekshevsky at... <laughs> Alex Pokoshevsky. Yeah. Alexei Pokoshevsky. Yeah. There you go. 17th overall. Maybe we got maybe if we we should if we want to talk about like obscure uh, candidates, maybe someone like RJ RJ Hampton or or you know Emmanuel quickly if if he develops uh, nicely. Those guys could be interesting talking about as future MPs. What about Patrick Williams? Like he's He's got so so much defense at the moment. Uh, he's he's already looking pretty grown up in, in terms of size. Um, maybe if he develops nicely uh, into a good offensive player like Kawhi type player, maybe he'll have have a season worth uh, MVP. Yeah, I was just gonna say how many um, MVP winners or like even MVP candidates aren't clearly destined for that at the start of their careers, and and Kawhi was the one that popped to mind, and then you know Patrick Williams is his comp. And I really wanted to come onto this pod today and with the hot take that Kawhi is MVP. So um, I guess we give a give an acknowledgement to Patrick Williams as a guy who has, if he follows that same career arc. Give us that take. 
I know you've had uh, had some stuff going on in the background, which is why you've been a little more quiet this pod. But what is the Kawhi for MVP take? Where it really came from was when you know I've compiled the spreadsheet of, of different numbers. Just looking at the at my top ten guys, when Kawhi is on the court, the Clippers score at a one hundred and twenty five point seven. Um, points per 100 possession pace which is way 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 over even like the best offenses ever um kd is the next one and we all think of the nets as this ridiculous offense but even he's only 122.9 um and and it's not to say that the clippers are just a great offense without Kawhi. they're 15 and a half points better when he's on and, and so basically where that argument came from was just he is so you know the clippers play at such a high level when he's on the court and not so much when he's off the court. And so his his impact is just so tremendous that way. Um, and, you know, the Clippers are the what, third best team in the league. Um, so that they're, they're going to win enough games. And, and especially with, with Paul George out, if we see some of those box score numbers um, start to rise as he has to take on more of a scoring load, then, you know, maybe he's averaging 28, 6 and 6. And they're the best offense of all time when he's on the court. And they're, you know, the, the third best team in the league. Um, and he's really carrying them then I think that's where the Kawhi MVP case comes in. I like it. I My dark horse for MVP, um, and I didn't get a chance to touch on him yet, was actually James Harden. You were right, Nico, when you said um, Durant stepped back. He's definitely deferring to Harden. And I think if we're going to have Durant in the conversation, we need to have Harden in the conversation. And strangely enough, Harden has been one of the best statistical post defenders this season. So you called it. If we're getting one of these same, you know, offensive productions from Harden, and now he's playing defense, if Brooklyn finishes top one or two, I don't know if Harden will get it just because uh, he'll split votes with Durant and that hurts on both of them. But I think there's a case for Harden. I think there's a legitimate 10, 11 person field right now. Yeah, when I was putting together this list and came to my top 10 candidates, it was super weird to not have James Harden. Um, you know, he's been the one guy that you could rely on over the last few seasons to always be in that conversation. So it was super weird for him to not be there. And, you know, Kyrie misses time every season. He's doing it again this season. Um, KD missing games or, you know, being pulled halfway through games is, is maybe where you can see the differentiation between those guys is, is Harden's playing all the games and Durant and Irving are not, and therefore he's the best player. So I think for sure he's going to be a guy that rises in this conversation. To not even have him top 10 at the moment is super weird. Did you have Luca in your top 10? Yeah, I had, I had him down there. But 10 and 14 is, is rough. I could see Luca getting back into it. I know um, I know Dallas just beat Golden State last night. Uh, Dwight Powell's starting to look healthy again. There's been a lot of freak-out panic from Mavericks fans, as I've seen in my timeline and my news feeds. But everything is so condensed right now that if they end the season well in the same way that I could see Bam... You know, the the Heat have a lot more ways to run up, but if the Mavs fight their way back up into it and Luka's putting up these numbers where he's third and plus minus, second in value of replacement, third in PER, if he gets in the top 10 and win shares, that, that's a top five MVP candidate season and traditionally. I mean, the box score is insane. He's averaging, you know, 27, 9 and 9. Um, and before the season, I think he was almost everyone's clear favorite for MVP. Um, so all, all that's really holding him back is that the team is not very good. You know, they were the best offense of all time, I think, last season. This year, they're pretty average. Their defense is terrible. That was supposed to be the thing that was improving. You know, they, they traded out all these offensive guys for defensive guys, you know, Seth Curry for um, Josh Richardson to try to 
with the idea that Luca is going to give you a great offense and therefore if you fill him with more defensive pieces, you'll be a better overall team. But, you know, it's made their offense worse and somehow their defense worse. But we'll see if some of that can normalize and and if they start winning games, then 27, 9 and 9 and, you know, a four seed, which is what I predicted them to be at before the season started. You know, that's a top five MVP guy. Yeah, Dallas have been underperforming tremendously. And that's why we don't talk so much about Luka Doncic in, in the MVP conversation. But he looked he looked different last night against uh, Golden State. He's been looking like he he wants to give up sometimes in in games uh, this season, and he he didn't really look super in shape at the start of the season. Uh, he also expressed that he his team wasn't doing their part and stuff. It's it's been it's been pretty messy from his part this season. Um, but he looked different last night. He was he wasn't complaining at all to the referees. He wasn't like throwing his arms around when he get hit by other players. He was just like locked up, uh, locked. You know, like when when LeBron sometimes when he just gets in that zone and and just you know he's focused. Yeah, he, he's in focus. Yeah, he's focused. Locked uh, in. That was, yeah, locked in. Uh, exactly. Um, that was that was look at Don just last night. He was locked in. Um, and, and if we see that version of uh, look at Don just again, maybe he'll get to the top three in the MVP conversation. But Dallas needs needs to improve for sure. Yeah. yeah, maybe just having Porzingis back is going to help them out a lot. You know, he's missed like 10 games already this season. So if he can get back, get a bit of form, you know, he's one of the best rim protectors in the game. So that'll help out their defense. And if, if they can be better on that end of the court, hopefully better on offense too, um, with Luke having some more guys who are, who are capable offensive players to play off of him, then we could see them come up a bit. So I think that, you know, Luca is still a dark horse was the favorite before the season, but I think he's he's still a dark horse now. Just to wrap, let's go one through five. Who who is each of our ballots? Uh, Dylan, I know you uh, you've got your whole ten, but just give me one through five. If you had to submit a ballot today, season is over right now. Who you got? All right, I'll I'll back my hot take. Number one, Kawhi Leonard. Number two, Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, and let's go. Let's go Durant as of right now. All right, Nico. I'm just gonna go with Nikola Jokic um, at the at the one um, and beat right right behind him. Then we got LeBron James. Um, I think he's 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 gonna be the he's gonna be there to take it if uh, Embiid or Jokic uh, doesn't uh, keep it up. And then we got Steph Curry and yeah, let's go with Kawhi at the five. Uh, I also really like him um, this season. Uh, he's he's not sending out games like he used to, and uh, he he's been amazing. So um, yeah, that's my top five. I, I have almost the exact same top five, slightly different order: Jokic, LeBron, Embiid, Kawhi, Curry. But and just looking back at my list, I've realized that we have gone the entire MVP discussion without even mentioning once Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, I actually didn't think about that. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Who statistically is right there? Is it simply voter fatigue that we're not considering him? Is it because he has taken a step back? Why is Giannis just not in this conversation at all? <laughs> that's crazy. I have a seven-name list here with no Giannis. I guess it's down to um, – we remember – what he did in the playoffs last season and it wasn't pretty and he's not the best offensive player on his team i think i think it's actually um very remiss of us not to have Giannis. even as i was looking over my spreadsheet trying to come up with the fifth guy i just didn't even 
look at him at all. But you know, it's not like the Bucks are being a, a bad team. They're what are they fourth in the fourth in the league, fifth in the league. Yeah, I think I think it's probably a combination of a few things of him taking a slight step back um, for the betterment of the team. Voter fatigue. He's been the guy a couple of years running and hasn't played to his standards. And then a little bit of the reverse LeBron effect where um, I think LeBron gets looked at more favorably this season because everyone feels bad for not appreciating him so much last year. And then come the playoffs, you know, he just shows that he's the best player in the world still. So I think he gets a little bit of that carried through of people wanting to make up for missing that. Um, And I think Giannis gets the opposite of people being like, okay, yeah, you're having a great regular season. Cool. We know how that ends up. I'm not going to consider you too much. Now, we started this off saying we didn't like na- – well, you started this off saying you don't like narrative, but that you want to give it to the best player. Isn't there some case for Giannis? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back full circle. Uh, man, this is like – is this like the opposite of uh, narrative doing the players a favor? Narrative's now now hurting players. Yeah, oh, that's that's wild. Why why haven't I thought about Giannis at all? Hmm. I mean, if, if this was his first season of averaging 27, 11, and 6 on the fifth best team in the league, where do you think we'd have him? I Just just scraping names away, I, I would probably have him at fifth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that top four is pretty set, but, um, you know, him versus Durant is a good, good argument. Or versus Curry, or, you know, Anthony Davis who it's really tough having two MVP people on the same team, two MVP considerations. Yeah. You, know, you got Durant and Harden that will split votes, and you got LeBron and Davis, which will probably eventually knock them both out of it. Should should, should he be top, top three right now? Nico's seeing the light. He's coming back to the back to the good side. I mean, maybe it's because you, we've seen his production go down slightly from, from last season, and he's playing more minutes so, like, he, sh- he should be posting better stats, but he isn't. I don't know. What would it take for him to get back into the conversation in your mind? Or is he just kind of permanently excluded? Like, let's say he gets back up to 30, 15, and we'll say seven assists with two blocks, two steals. Just goes on a tear the rest of the way. Bucks are number one with the equivalent of a 65-win season. It, it, would you guys give him a third? Or, or is it still a hard line stance? No. Hmm. I think probably the thing that's holding me back the most at the moment is the impact numbers for him aren't that great, particularly on defense. You know, if we look at, if we compare him to last season, when he was on the court, they had a 98.6 offen- defensive rating, which is 99th percentile, and they were about 11 points better with him on. This season, they're at 109 and only 3.7 points better when he's on. So, you know, that they're, they're 10 whole points worse on defense compared to last season. Yeah, the offense is better, but when you're making the case for Giannis, you're looking at his all-round game. You're saying he's he's not only a twenty and a twenty-seven and eleven guy, but he's also the best defender in the league. And I think the numbers this season are showing that his defensive impact hasn't been as great. And, and so that's really the main reason that I don't have him. But like you're saying, Nate, if he can come back around to play how he has been playing, if the Bucks defense improves particularly when he's on the court and some of those impact metrics start to look a bit better, then I think he, he's right back into it. Um, but the main thing that was holding me back is just that statistically he isn't actually having that much impact on his team. So, so that's actually interesting. Like la- last podcast, we were talking about Eastern Conference teams and both me and Dylan were saying that we didn't really love seeing what Milwaukee was doing at the moment. And we, we, we like my biggest 
a defense of saying that Box wasn't looking good. It's just that when I was looking at them playing, I, I just didn't think they were looking like, you know, they didn't look as good as their stats uh, were saying they were. Maybe that's the same thing about Giannis at the moment. Like he, he's, he's posting amazing stats, but when you see him play, you can clearly see there's some, uh, there's, uh, he's lacking something in his game. Maybe it's like the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think when you combine that eye test of it looks like he's missing something and then you look at the numbers and the numbers say like, yeah, you know, he's he's fine. Then I think that really you know, just solidifies that. It does. They have been going through an adjustment and they've also been trying some new things out. They've been doing a little bit more switching defense, which then Brooke Lopez is getting killed. It's an incredibly small sample size, but Middleton and Giannis without Drew Holiday on the court have played 71 minutes. So they've only, you know, very small sample size, but they're plus 24 with those two on and Holiday off. So I do think there is some some getting used to having a new player who is as ball dominant as Drew Holiday is in, in place of Bledsoe that... Maybe they're still working out. And I, I could see Giannis making a late season jump back into this conversation, whether or not anybody will ever vote for him this season, just after the last playoffs. I, I don't know. I, I do think it was worth noting that we made it nearly an hour into this discussion without saying his name once. And like we were saying earlier, maybe he benefits from a late season push if he goes on a bit of a tear. The Bucks win a bunch of games in a row and he's averaging, you know, 32 and 12 and, and seven and they get to one of the top, couple seeds like I predicted then maybe we do see some of those votes come back uh, but at the moment the narrative's working against him so he's got to he's got to create a positive narrative for himself maybe some game winners would help out for him if he can if he can hit a couple game winning shots he's been working on that three maybe splash a few of those well we've ended our last couple of podcasts by asking uh, Nico for any European player shout outs uh, Dylan do you have any oceanic player shout outs not, not so much of a positive one, but but um, a bit of a sad one. Shout out to Delhi, who's considering retirement with his um, issues he's having with concussion. So just shout out to Matthew Delavadova, NBA champion Matthew Delavadova. Oh man, I didn't know he was having concussion issues. Yeah, they've been they've been super bad. That's why he, that's why he hasn't played all season, and and it's not looking positive for him. Looking like he may not be able to return. So shout out to Delhi. Shout out to it. Great scrappy player. You know, I kind I kind of want to shout out a player as well. All right, but he's not European, so I'm gonna let you down a bit. But um, there's another thing I also love more than European NBA players, and that's uh, players uh, who go from a ridiculous contract to a uh, more reasonable contract and actually delivers. Uh, we see Nicholas Batum this season; he's European. But I want to ch- shout out Singalese sniper, the trebuchet. Gorgio Deng. He had one of the worst contracts in the least, uh, the, the the league last season, and he came down to like I think he's on a minimum contract right now. But he's his numbers is improving on like every single uh, metric. Uh, he's hitting his uh, three pointers at a career high, and he's making an impact on both ends. Uh, so shout out to Gorgio Deng for uh, getting paid less and putting up better stats. Shout out the Senegalese sniper. Yeah, that's a value for money uh, contract right now. I was like, if, if, of all the guys who don't deserve that nickname, it's got to be him. But then I pull up his stats <laughs> and he's he's shooting 53% from three on a couple attempts a game. So shout out to the Senegalese sniper. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit quiet at, uh, at a point in the podcast. It was because I was actually surprised that in, in the 1920 season, 
he actually shot 152 three-point attempts. I had no idea. <laughs> huh? And hit 30%, yeah. and 35%. Yeah. So there you go. Single sniper. <laughs> Anyone got uh, any final? Nothing. Uh, a little, uh, I guess a little African hot take uh, here to end it would, would be fine, I guess. All right. Well, then, this has been another episode of the Hoops Temple podcast. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy our MVP thoughts. Let us know your MVP thoughts. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, email us at hoopstemple at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're Temple Entertainment and Media on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're getting better. It's all right. <laughs> Senegalese sniper. That's a great nickname. There are some strange nicknames on Basketball Reference. I don't know oh, where to man. get all those nicknames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when did he get the name Trebuchet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta be I, something I, with his jump shot form. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Yeah. It's gotta be. Does thing. he launch from behind his head? Uh, I guess I, I have to look into it. Miss, he, he's called uh, on Twitter. I think Minnesota Timberwolves Twitter called him both Shotmaker, the Senegalese sniper, and Mister Trebuchet in in one of their. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me link it to you guys. I really don't watch guys. more Memphis games. You, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say I shouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any point in watching more Minnesota games. Hey, Memphis. Memphis games are interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess his uh, his shooting form. He's like his his legs is leaning uh, forward and his arms is very much behind his head. So I can see what they mean with the trebuchet. Do you think any Rockets uh, make the All Star game? I kind of hope so. In they're playing, uh, playing pretty well. No, I don't think so. Just splitting too many votes. Yeah, there's just so many good players in the West. I mean, I would rather see uh, John Wall make the All Star game than Mike Conley. I guess to be honest. Where are the Rockets right now? Are they like thirteenth or something? Uh ninth. They're number one in defense since the Harden trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're they're five hundred. That's that's solid. And I'm, I'm going to pull back my uh, Victoria Depot uh, takes. I, I want this team to to stay together. It's it's much better than I had expected. Like Eric Gordon is playing out of his mind. He's been a beast. And Demarcus Cousins is just uh, you know when he's he, when he's playing. I kind of hope he gets in shape. Like for real, he's he's not looking bad. That's what I've been saying for like the last decade. Actually, pretty funny. His his. Uh, Defensive numbers is better than his offensive numbers. His offensive plus minus is 2.6, and his uh, defenses, defensive plus minus is 2.3. I really want DeMarcus Cousin to have a cousin make the NBA, so that way like, we can talk about DeMarcus's cousin. Yeah. Does he not? Let me look this up. I just want to make sure he doesn't already. No. It's like, man, DeMarcus Cousin is having a good season. Yeah, but have you seen DeMarcus's cousin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you're the dad on the podcast, but <laughs> I got the jokes. I was trying to work on a uh, a mock draft, and so I've been watching a lot of the, the players. And like 
four of the guys supposed to go in the first round are on that G League Ignite team that hasn't played a single game yet. So I'm like, I've got no footage. I can't I can't make any evaluations. I heard it's, it's going to be a pretty deep uh, draft with a lot of star potential, but I have no idea. I don't know a single player from that draft class. Yeah, I only know Tiny Hat. Yeah, Kate. I haven't liked what I've seen so far. Including from okay. him? Yeah. It, I like Zaire Williams the best so far from what I've seen. His comp is uh, Paul George. He can't really shoot though, right? Yeah, he's... Uh, I'd have to grab my... i have to go to my desktop. But I think I compared him to like a Terrence Ross of like... Ooh. Not really hitting threes. Uh, what are you doing out here, buddy? Yeah. Did you guys watch um Game of Zones when that was a thing? Yeah. 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 I love. I actually um, never never got I love to Terrence that. Ross in there. They're like trading for a buck, and they're like, "We'll give you Terrence Ross. He's a I'm a pretty good three and D player. Although some might say I'm inconsistent. But it's like, no, no, shut up. You're you're a good three and D player. <laughs> I just love how mean they are to Norman Powell. Like every time he shows up, he's like, "Shut up, Norman!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a Barker in that same scene, he's like, he's he's the mountain from Game of Thrones, so he's just sitting there, massive in his armor. She's like, "I'll guard anybody except LeBron." <laughs> did Did you see Clippers? Uh, uh, who are they playing? The Celtics. So in the game. <laughs> Uh, Reggie Jackson was was uh, calling a timeout, but they didn't have any timeouts oh, left. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so we were standing at the sideline, hugging uh, Ibaka, yeah. <laughs> looking like a, a sad kid. <laughs> I don't remember who got to play. That's the Reggie Jackson experience right there. Yeah. If Clippers and, and Lakers get to the uh, Western Conference Finals, um, it would be fun to see uh, J.R. Smith and uh, Reggie Jackson play against each other. If, if we make it to the Conference Finals, I don't want Reggie Jackson playing any minutes at all. Same with J.R. Smith. Like, these guys should not be <laughs> yeah. on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care if, yeah. if we've only got bigs. We'll, we'll, we'll play Abaka and, and Zubats. Um, and, and Morris and Kawhi and Paul George. I don't care if that's our lineup. We're not playing Reggie Jackson against the Lakers. Didn't they actually sign J.S. Smith? Or was that last season? Uh, that was last season they, they brought him in. Uh, I feel like he's hanging yeah. around the team right now. Like I don't think he's officially yeah. on the roster. but I still He's just part of LeBron's entourage. Yeah. Like, hey, who's that fifth coach? Oh, that, that dude just won't leave, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why has he got no shirt on? <laughs> Dress code stipulates jacket, doesn't stipulate shirt. Oh, maybe I should stop recording. I don't know. I think some of this is golden. It's going in the podcast. I'm just gonna. Oh, we didn't talk about the big um trade news. The Derrick Rose to uh... yeah. Is there anything more Knicks than to just trade for Derrick Rose again? I want to know what the draft assets were that they gave up. It can't be anything good, right? Or else they would have said it must be like. A 2021 second top 20, you know, top 45 protected that immediately becomes cash. Why? Why is Nick's? Because it's Tim. He just played. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, didn't even think about that. He just signed Taj Gibson. He's got Derek Rose. Yeah. They'll give. <sighs> I'm pretty sure they're still paying Joakim Noah. You just gotta call him up. Might as well bring him in. You're paying him anyway. Yeah. Oh my god. So. Should they trade for Jimmy Butler? <laughs> Bring that whole squad back together and... I'm going to make a trade and send it to Cam. 
I, I don't think the Knicks have enough to give. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Let's see. Like, they have the Mavs picks. Isn't, uh, you know, you go in the trade machine, then then you pick Knicks, they're at seventh, and Miami Heat is at 13th. That's the weirdest thing. Weirdest thing. Yeah, the Heat are rebuilding. Maybe they could give them some of the young guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, Heat might as well, uh, all the tanking uh, strategy out. <laughs> they, they could get Dennis Smith Jr., maybe. Dennis Smith was in the was in the um, Rose trade. Just saw a great tweet that's like, um, you remember how he said that he wanted to go play in the G League? So it's like Dennis Smith Jr. wanted to play in the G League and the, the Knicks gave him his wish by putting him on the Pistons. Oh, so bad. Yeah, I just glanced. Uh, I actually thought it was a joke that uh, they were trading for Derek Rose. <laughs> Tibbs never jokes about getting old Bulls players. I'm pretty sure that the Lakers are still paying the wall dang, so we can trade in that contract. Okay, so you could do Julius Randle, Frank Nilokina, and RJ Barrett for Jimmy Butler and Maurice Harkless. Then you got your band together. I mean, it's not that terrible. That is that is a terrible, terrible trade, but send it in. <laughs> I mean, the Heat are looking for a starting forward, right? Yeah, exactly. So you got Bam, Julius Randle, like Tyler Hero. RJ Barrett and Duncan Robinson starting. That's pretty good. Could they um, wave Goran Drogic? We could really use them. <laughs> yeah. Since, since the Heat are now rebuilding as the um, 14 seed. What? You don't want... You're not trying to get in on this Derrick Rose trade? Nope. I actually thought he was going to be traded to a contender. I'm so glad I can stop seeing fake Lakers trade for Derrick Rose. Where it's like, yeah, we could uh, give up Taylor Horton Tucker and get Rose. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Who is doing that? Or the Kuzma for Rose, because did you know Kuzma's from Michigan? Like, oh, shit. That's the trade I was thinking about, like trading Kuzma for, for a championship piece. Not that Kuzma is not a championship piece, I'm just saying. I'd give up Kuzma for something decent. Although I actually feel like Kuzma now, it, since he didn't get a big contract and he's like on a reasonable deal and is like providing the value for his deal and kind of age-wise is mid-20s, I feel like he's probably a pretty good fit. Uh, I'm okay keeping him. I don't I don't necessarily think we'd get much better back. That's the hard part is he makes so little money that like you have to trade him for another young player and who's going to give up a good young player. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to hop off, but this was really fun, guys. And Dylan, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. White Tonguey? Yep. Nailed it. Happy White Tonguey Day. Sweet. Happy White Tonguey Day. Yeah, happy White Tonguey Day. <laughs> See you guys. Peace. See ya.